welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for May 9th, 2021, titled, The Spirit as Artist, by Reverend Joyce Shin. Would you please pray with me? Loving God, you have so made us that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Give us a hunger for your word, and in that food satisfy our daily need through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. This is the stunning confession with which Peter began his sermon, a sermon that resulted from the extraordinary events leading up to the first conversion of a Gentile. Peter, the apostle with whom Jesus had charged with establishing the church, had been busy witnessing to the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, growing the church by converting many Jews to Christianity. And like Jesus himself, Peter was a Jew. And just as Jesus had done, Peter preached and taught among many Jews. Carrying on Jesus' ministry, he grew the Jewish Christian church. It wasn't until Peter had a vision in which three times a voice commanded him to kill and eat food that Jewish law deemed unclean. This voice told him, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. So his mind was jarred open to consider something he had never imagined before that God has made no distinction between them and us. Peter, who had assumed the strict Jewish distinction between clean and unclean foods, between clean and profane persons, between them and us, an ordering of the world with which he had grown up, was confronted with a vision of a new order, a new way of relating all persons. This vision, this imagination spurred Peter to go to the home of a Gentile named Cornelius. It enabled Peter to become intimately involved in the first baptism of a Gentile in the history of the world. Until then, only Jews had been baptized. Cornelius and his household became the first Gentiles ever to be baptized. As Luke tells it, the momentousness was not lost on Peter or his fellow disciples. Luke tells us the circumcised believers who came with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even upon the Gentiles. Luke himself devotes 66 verses to tell this story by far the longest story in the book of Acts. 
from this event arose a recognition that the church affirms again and again with each baptism that in Christ you are a new creation. From this event arose the church's earliest creed, for you are all children of God in the spirit. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in the spirit. New Testament scholar Stephen Patterson talks about this creed. He argues that Christianity imparted a social vision of, a, of unity in a deeply divided world and called people to share their identity in Christ. As this creed claims, there is no us, no them. In Christ, we're not defined by who we are not. Rather, we are defined by who we all are, children of God. That God makes no distinction among peoples is astounding. It is so astounding that it's truly hard to imagine. But let's try. Let's try to imagine a world in which the blessing of belonging does not slide into sectarianism, nor require a parsing out of our specific identities. Let's try to imagine a high school cafeteria in which the tables are not divided along racial lines. Imagine Sunday mornings no longer being the most segregated hour of the week for churchgoers. Imagine political campaigns that are not designed to divide people. Let's try to imagine a media that does not profit from pitting people against one another. And let's try to imagine deep within ourselves being rid of the boundary between our moral rightness and another's ethical failing. All of this takes a great deal of spiritual imagination. To be honest with you, I've been struggling and praying for the spirit to lead my imagination. It has required me to expend more energy than I would like to hold at bay the terms, frameworks, and analyses that in the name of social justice are nevertheless divisive. For too easily they hijack and hold hostage my thoughts preventing my imagination, I think, from following the lead of the Spirit. And so I was grateful this week to study this pivotal story from the book of Acts. Although the book is entitled Acts of the Apostles, the Holy Spirit is really the main actor. The Spirit is the one who leads Peter and the other apostles in the imaginative, creative work of giving birth to the church. By watching the Spirit at work, we can see how something that did not exist before, the church, comes into being. This is a creative act, and as such, I believe it requires artistic sensibilities.
It takes artistic sensibility to relate people who have never been in relation before and to reorder relationships that have never been just before. It takes artistic sensitivity to become the new creation that Christ calls us to become. Honestly, I think the church forgets this. I think we forget that the Holy Spirit is an artist, that the creative, reconciling, peacemaking, justice-building work of the Spirit entails artistry. Too often in our work to build a more just society, it is as though artistic sensitivity is absolutely missing. Instead, we observe and fall prey to a popular tendency to assume that if we want to make social change, we must get the upper hand of influence in the public sphere. We tend to put all our energy primarily in efforts to raise public awareness of an issue and in mobilizing a critical mass of people to protest something or to vote for a certain idea or proposal. We measure our impact by asking how many of our peers within the public sphere have moved toward the awareness of what we believe in and how many are willing to act on it. The yardstick in this approach boils success down to a numbers game. The main question becomes, does it appear that we have critical mass on our side? John Paul Lederach, lifelong student, teacher, and practitioner of building peace in settings of the most protracted conflicts around the world, asserts that approaching social change in this way is problematic. He writes, social change that depends heavily on the magnetic on the magnetic attraction of shared opposition creates social energy that can generate large numbers in discrete time frames, but has difficulty sustaining the longer term change. The problem you see is that it entails creating like-minded communities, which produces a narrow and less sustainable view of change. I think he makes a good point. Even when someone occupies the White House, the most powerful political platform for any social change in the world, for four years or for eight years, the social changes made are not necessarily sustainable, and the American citizenry are certainly not more unified. Approaching social change in this way John Paul Lederach explains, undermines the web of understanding and relationships that must form across not like-minded and not like-situated persons. What he tries to teach us is that in the artistic work of creating a new social reality, even a few spiritually and morally imaginative people 
can have greater potential for incubating and nurturing the social growth of an idea than a large number of people who think alike. While the notion of critical mass seems very important in the realms of politics, business, and the military, when it comes to the kind of transformational work that the spirit leads us to do, we are called to be more like social artists who first and foremost attend to the relationships among persons. Over his years as a peace builder, John Paul Lederach is convinced that enduring change does not happen on the basis of the content of a policy, nor on the basis of winning an argument, nor on the basis of winning a particular vote at a particular time. Truly transformative and enduring change has something to do with who we are going to choose to be together with as a human family. And until we start imagining ourselves and placing ourselves in relationship with people we, are, we consider strangers and even enemies, that kind of change is not going to be possible. Sometimes you and I ask ourselves, what can we do? What more can we do to work for social change? The spirit if we are willing to follow its lead, gives us something quite simple and concrete that all of us can do. It doesn't require the greatest platform for us to use our voices. It doesn't require us to harness multitudes. It simply requires us to reach over the lines that divide us and that fragment our society to befriend to spend time with, to get to know, to be a guest, to be a host, to persons we would never have considered having a relationship with before. I can almost hear you saying, well, that's good and fine, but is that really enough? as culturally un-American as it may seem to us not to be concerned with quantity and critical mass. The Spirit teaches us that it's not quantity that we must harness. It is the quality of our relationships with one another, with strangers and with enemies to which we must attend. For when the Spirit is present, when God's grace and love are present, there will be a new creation. This is how a small band of Jesus' followers became the church. It is how the Spirit reached you and me and brought us into each other's company, even here, to dine together at Christ's table. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon, recorded for May 9, 2021, titled Spirit as Artist by Reverend Joyce Shin. 
will see you soon. May the peace of Christ be with you.